Holy hack fraud, Batman. Our topic today is artist Bob Kane and writer Bill Finger, the co-creators of Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder and the Joker, among others. Welcome to another episode of The Real Heroes. Remember to subscribe to the feed and publish reviews on YouTube, Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Remember to download the episodes, and if you want to support the show, you can find The Real Heroes on Patreon. My guest today is Dr. Liam Burke of Swinburne University. I am your host, Michael Lay, and this is The Real Heroes Podcast. So, who exactly were Bob Kane and Bill Finger? So Bob Kane, for the longest time, was identified as the sole creator of Batman. Uh, Bob Kane, like most comic book creators in the 1930s, 40s, was a young European immigrant. Uh, Robert Kanner was his full name. He was quite an effective, not unlike Stanley, sort of self-promoter. Uh, so, uh, and he was already working in comics in kind of a, f- a freelance capacity when National Allied Publications, which will become DC Comics, was looking for a character to match the soaring success of Superman in 1938. So his version of the events would be he offered a uh, sort of the contrast in every way to Superman. In every way that Superman is super strong and optimistic in daytime, uh, Batman would be fallible and nighttime and nocturnal and dark and so on. And uh, so Kane gets the credit for creating Batman and, you know, his supporting characters like Robin and his rogues gallery like Joker, uh, Catwoman and so on. But as is become more apparent over time, Bob Kane did not create these characters alone. There is a roster of ghost artists and uncredited writers who contributed to these characters from Jerry Robinson true to uh, Bill Finger. And there was a campaign over the past five or six years to get Finger recognized as a co-creator of Batman, which has been successful. So now when Batman is adapted to other media, it's Bob Kane with Bill Finger. The myth that Kane was the sole creator of Batman was perpetuated as recently as 2005 in the documentary Legends of the Dark Knight, The History of Batman. DC Comics had quite a success with the mighty Superman, and they found themselves looking for more colorful characters to fill their pages. But was this new kind of superhero just a flash in the pan? The answer was locked in the imagination of a young man named Robert Kane. Bob Kane was a kid when he created Batman. He was really just a teenager. And it was the late 1930s. The comic book industry was brand new, but he had an interesting assignment. DC Comics was looking for a complement to the first superhero that they had presented, which was Superman. Kane quickly realized that he had a success on his hands, and keeping up with the demand for the Dark Knight's adventures would be more than just a one-man job. Soon he hired a handful of collaborators to help bring the Cape Crusader to life. Men such as Bill Finger, Jerry Robinson, Dick Sprang, and Gardner Fox would, in the coming years, help the growing legend of the Batman reach heights that even the optimistic Bob Kane couldn't have thought possible. Batman has always had some of the greatest writers, artists, and editors working on his adventures at DC Comics, really from its inception. Bill Finger was one of the comic book kingdom's great writers. This was a guy who had a fertile imagination, who wasn't afraid to go out and do research 
to bring interesting tidbits to his stories. Arguably, Bill understood how to write comics better than anyone back then. It was a brand new medium. Uh, comic books up until Superman had been reprints of comic strips. Gardner Fox was another important Batman writer, not only of that era, but he was still writing Batman adventures well into the 60s. Questions of creativity don't come into it. When you're doing a character like that, it belongs to who it belongs to, and the people who help make it only add to the luster. So Bill Finger was, was, a, was a writer, and he uh, and his version of the story, and which seems to be more accepted version of the story, is that Bob Kane had a rough idea for a character that was more like Birdman. He had a domino mask, he, he had a contraption on his back, which was wings, he wore a red leotard, and uh, Finger's contribution was to make him more a creature of the night, you know, the, uh, the cape and cowl. Uh, and figured that, you know, added characters in that initial Detective Comics 27 in 1939, like uh, Commissioner Gordon. And then as the, uh, you know, the, the Batman became the, the, you know, the title star of Detective Comics, adding more characters to the rogues gallery by the time you get to 1940, when you have uh, you know, Batman issue one, his first standalone book, which in that first issue introduces Joker and Catwoman, a figure alongside Jerry Robinson and others was contributing to that massive uh, history of Batman. But these figures, these other creators, were largely left out of the official history of Batman for decades, to the point that Bob Kane's name was the only name that appeared on Batman comics into the 1960s, long after he had anything to do with the, the, the drawing or writing those books. In this interview, Robinson provides his recollection of co-creating the Joker, a claim Kane long refuted. We got a call from, that's right, the publisher. They wanted to put out a, a book just of Batman. It was appearing once a month in Detective Comics. So the first issue of Batman was scheduled as soon as possible to take advantage of what they thought might be a temporary popularity of the new strip. So the writer, Bill Finger, was overwhelmed with having suddenly to turn out four scripts at once. And uh, it was an impossible task. Bill was the, uh, not only one of the best writers the genre has produced, but he was a very careful craftsman. And he wasn't fast. So he and particularly with a new assignment like that, he wanted to do his best work. So it was overwhelming, so I immediately volunteered, well, I'll do a story. Well, that was great. So that very night, I was so excited to hear I was going to get a chance to, not even drawing Batman now, but I could write my own story, which I really wanted to do. And Batman did not have, as we just said, all the gangsters, the villains were ordinary gangsters. and. Uh, so I wanted to create a villain that was worthy of Batman. So I had to visualize him. And uh, so in visualizing him, that's when I came on the image of the Joker playing card. And I thought, that's great. I, that's just the image I wanted of a clown, of a jester, but yet somebody, someone that had an ed edge. And I think it was just, uh, um, just by luck, that image, I think, had a certain edginess to it that most people don't recognize. For example, the Joker, the clown, uh, can be feared by children. You know, are very fearful of the clown image, and many many adults also. So I sketched out the first 
sketch of the Joker, which I still have, fortunately, was tucked away somewhere, and we recently dug it out for an ex traveling exhibition on the golden, so-called golden age of comics. Where Kane graduated from the Cooper Union's School of Art, Finger did not go on to further study. The American comic book industry, I mean, of the golden age, that late 1930s, 1940s stage, was built on the efforts of what were effectively teenagers, largely from, you know, immigrant backgrounds, lower economic backgrounds. So, you know, they probably didn't have the opportunity to recognize, I mean, no one could fully anticipate, but to recognize that their work would have this longevity and that there might be a value in owning the characters they effectively gave away for uh, very modest sums. And uh, perhaps Bob Kane, alongside, you know, William Moulton Marston, who co-created Wonder Woman and was, you know, much older than the average comic book creator, they were probably the only figures who kind of were shrewd enough to protect themselves uh, in terms of you know, copyright legality, attribution of authorship and things like that. Uh, so I, I definitely think uh, those kind of the, the, those those teenage creators and young creators uh, that were exploited, uh, you know, Bill Finger among them, uh, didn't have just didn't have the sort of the experience or the you know the opportunity to really fight their corner. And that was you know he was a shrewd guy and he, he stipulated that in his contract. And what it actually created was what was known as an author guessing fad. So in the letters pages of the comics. Uh, you know, interested fans moving into the 1950s and in particular the 1960s started to go, the artists who drew this issue of Detective Comics must also be the, the artists who drew this issue of Batman because you can tell by how they draw the Batcave or the, the Batmobile and so on. And so created this sort of interest in who are the wizards behind the curtain uh, to of these comics that are large, uh, that were all credited to Bob Kane. And by the time you move to the 1960s, uh, DC started acknowledging the rise of artists on Batman books, along but still keeping Bob Kane's uh, iconic uh, signature. Ironically, Bob Kane's signature isn't even Bob Kane's signature. It's a swipe uh, of, I think it's Milton Canoff's signature when it's o oversized O in the middle. So Milton Canoff uh, would have done like Terry and the Pirates and other comic strips. And if you actually, as you know, historians have done go back and look at those early issues of Detective Comics in which Batman first appears. You can see that Kane, the artist, swiped, and by swipe I mean trace over uh, existing art. So there's a lot of Alex Raymond's uh, Flash Gordon and Tarzan in there, uh, Prince Valiant and other figures. But, you know, so he would trace over them and just add the cape and cowl of Batman. So he would have the you know, dynamic postures and compositions and things like that. And I think, you know, his heavy use of swiping speaks to his larger approach, which was do it quickly, do it efficiently, uh, borrow from everyone, only reserve acknowledgement for himself. His public profile will be bigger than the 60s TV series. He was still alive when the 89 movie came out and you know enjoyed the, the, the publicity that went with that. Bill Finger, contrastingly, like many comic book creators, uh, kind of fell into sort of anonymity uh, and didn't enjoy any of the, the praise or finances that would have come uh, Bob Kane's way. Finger died on the 18th of January, 1974, in an apartment he couldn't afford. Kane died on November 3rd, 1998, having served as creative consultant on the two Tim Burton Batman films, as well as the two Joel Schumacher Batman films.
you know, with the campaign to get Siegel and Schuster recognized ahead of the release of Superman the movie in 78, it sort of typified a greater interest among comic book readers to know and celebrate the creators of their their works. Because of course, prior to like the 1960s and 70s when fan communities really started to emerge, comic book readers had rapid turnover. You know, you read them in, when you were young for maybe two to three years and then you grew out of it and then the next, uh, you know, your younger brother or sister read the comic. Moving to the 60s and the 70s with conventions and dedicated comic book stores, comic book readers became comic book collectors. They read for years, if not decades. And so as they, you know, became older, late teens, moving into their their, their adult years, uh, that sort of sustained fandom uh, extended beyond who'd win in a fight, you know, Hulk or the thing, to who creates these comics, I want to know more about them, I want to follow them as creators from one book to the other, from one character to the other, from one publisher to the other. And that included going back to sort of really unpicking who was responsible for the golden age versions of the characters. So I think the the Finger documentary from a couple of years ago, which sort of was part of the groundswell movement to get him recognized, uh, is you know is a further manifestation of that desire to uh, challenge the received views of who created these characters and when and why and how. In 2005, the Bill Finger Award for Excellence in Comic Book Writing was established by San Diego's Comic-Con International. It was Robinson's idea. Coinciding with the 2012 release of Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises was a book by Mark Tyler Nobleman called Bill the Boy Wonder, the secret co-creator of Batman. This book was a major stepping stone to getting Finger recognised as the co-creator of Batman. In 2017, the book was adapted into a Hulu documentary called Batman and Bill. Hello everybody, Max Scovel here for IGN News. DC Entertainment announced today that the late comic book artist-writer Bill Finger will receive Batman co-creator screen credit on the upcoming season of Gotham and in Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. DC said in a statement to The Hollywood Reporter, DC Entertainment and the family of Bill Finger are pleased to announce that they have reached an agreement that recognizes Mr. Finger's significant contributions to the Batman family of characters. Bill Finger was instrumental in developing many of the key creative elements that enrich the Batman universe, and we look forward to building on our acknowledgement of his significant role in DC Comics history, stated Diane Nelson, president of DC Entertainment. As part of our acknowledgement of those contributions, Nelson continued, we are pleased to confirm today that Bill Finger will be receiving credit in the Warner Brothers television series Gotham beginning later this season and in the forthcoming motion picture, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. I remember the shared credit appearing in things like Batman v Superman, as well as Gotham, the TV series as well, I think was one of the first places that became visible. I, I mean, unlike Kirby, who seems to be almost like the, the John Lennon club, and has this massive following, while, while there was this recognition that Finger had there, there had been this injustice. He still isn't quite held to the same pantheon as someone like Kirby, who produced countless books uh, and, and had a more sustained career. So while I think it, there was a sense that this was a right that was being fixed, there wasn't the same sort of uh, 
animosity towards Bob Kane because A, he wasn't around, and B, there wasn't the same sort of like, let's go revisit Bill Finger's work, because apart from you know, a couple of issues of Green Lantern, you would struggle to put together uh, a, a Bill Finger collection. So I don't think it was quite as seismic as some of the attempts to get Dicko and Kirby recognised, particularly when Stanley was still alive, and you know, therefore could become this sort of big figure of sort of animosity. And that is a wrap for this episode of The Real Heroes. Be sure to sign up for the show's Patreon to hear this week's bonus episode, an examination of some of the most controversial statements made by comic book author Alan Moore. Yeah.